0: Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power, ...while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com Hello automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest, Nathan Adlin... Nathan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to light this candle. All right. I love the enthusiasm. Nathan Adlin is the co-host and senior editor for the Fastlane Car and the Fastlane Truck. Born into a wrecking yard family in Los Angeles, California, Nathan has been connected to the automotive industry throughout his entire life. Nathan evaluates and reviews vehicles from the cheapest to the most prestigious with equal enthusiasm. So, Nathan, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take some time and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles?
1: Certainly. Going back to the very early 70s and the late 60s, my family from Los Angeles, California, started Adlin Brothers Auto Wrecking and a series of other wrecking yards. And they're some of the largest in Southern California. And they're kind of known for being unique looking. In fact, um, if you go by Adlin Brothers, it's in Sun Valley, California. They have all these bizarre props from movies. Uh, one of the Jaws sharks, Bruce, I believe they call it, um, <laughs> the actual one. There, And, you know, they they keep them all around there. So we have a some unusual notoriety. But the other side of it, of course, is that it's a wrecking yard. And um, so growing up in a family that surrounded themselves with this wrecking yard allowed us to put kids through school and to do certain things that, you know, it wasn't easy for an awful lot of people back then. My family, um, you know, comes from some immigrants that came in turn of the century and going into steel and to these types of things was just a smart idea. And in their case, they made the most of it. Uh, The reason it's called Adlin Brothers is my father uh, was one of three brothers who started the yard my Uncle Sam and my Uncle Donnie, the senior brothers, put these yards together and I had an opportunity to, as a little kid, go there all the time and then start working there as a teenager and on and off throughout my adult life up until I was in my early 20s. And then I left because I uh, finished college and thought I knew everything about the world. <laughs> and as anybody who's around 23 knows, yep. and uh, progressively went into a bunch of poor places, Mentally, I, I thought that I could become a schoolteacher for some unusual reason. Then I discovered, of course, that I don't like schoolchildren. Oh, so. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> when they come from somebody else, it's difficult. But anyway, the point is is that living at the wrecking yard, working there, uh, having my family there, it gave me a unique way of looking at how cars are designed from the opposite direction seeing cars that have made it through crashes or that are so valuable that even bent sheet metal is worth something to somebody. Mm -hmm. And also learning about the the metal business in general and that how to actually truly recycle and be one of the, if you think about it, one of the most recycled products that's put out there next to the tin can and the aluminum can is, is an automobile. So I was able to see them taken apart. I learned how to torch them apart and how to you know, take them apart and put them together, build my own race cars and whatever, um, you know, when the time when I was slightly older. But for the most part, living in that environment was absolutely fantastic. It was such an adventure. And I only realized that after the fact, of course, as many of us do, we only know how fun it is to work with our fathers, perhaps after. Yes. <laughs> you know, when we we realize that there's some real wisdom there. Well, in this case, it was similar to that, and I truly miss it. I love taking my kids over there every once in a while and showing them one of the wrecking yards, and my family still owns them and still runs them, and they make a ridiculous amount of money, but they also perform a vital piece of social import, and that is recycling cars, but also giving car enthusiasts an opportunity to go in and actually pick parts out of cars and Rebuild or build whatever they need to do. So that, that's how I got my start. I went to a technical art school, a theater art school. I majored in everything from English to contemporary Middle Eastern history. Wow, and that's really that is so useful. By the <laughs> way, <laughs> and uh, progressively, I, I you know I started getting into uh, theater and film and just checked that out for a little while. It is Southern California, so you do kind of get that. You know, yep. You know, I studied all these things. I never ever lost my love for cars i basically would buy a different one every year uh you if you live in a wrecking art family you get an opportunity to go to auctions and whatnot and you learn how to get cars relatively cheap so after all that and after once again making that terrible choice of being a school teacher <laughs> i decided to go back to school again and this is like my fifth school i think i'm still paying for this one still finding but yourself. i went back yeah, I know. It, um, but I went back for journalism. And I took classes in journalism. I reached out to people who are current journalism, specifically automotive journalists, and uh, got lucky enough to contact a few of them who did respond. And one thing led to another. I started writing. I've written for five different periodicals that are of note, including dot uh, autodriverautomobile.com, what have you. And through that, and the fact that I've had some training behind and in front of the camera. I bumped into Roman Micah, who started a little tiny video review channel called The Fast Line Car. And One thing led to another about five years ago, and we just got that thing flying. And now we are viewed with I don't know, more than eight or nine million people uh, per month. All and, right. Oh, yeah. Good numbers. And uh, we have uh, hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And that's just YouTube. We, we are on several different media, and we're in China so we 're being seen around the world it 's a lot of fun. I love it, and what you know the cool part about this and and what feeds into your show as well is there aren 't that many people out there that truly understand that automobile love goes beyond just enjoying a set of wheels or having it as something that is an extension of your personality. Yes it goes into something deeper it it 's nostalgic it reminds you of a better time in the past or it 's something aspirational that 's showing you a positive future. There are so many things that that world does. So when I had the opportunity to start rating cars and actually drive them and review them, I was looking at it through both ends from the wrecking yard end all the way down at the bottom and then all the way up the top to where people are looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars for a car. So it was a nice way to start this type of journey.
0: Oh, it's fantastic. I love it. You found, you found your road and you're going down it. So that is absolutely great. And junkyards, I remember the first time I went to a junkyard with my dad, Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was, you must have grown up like a kid in a candy store. There's so much cool stuff to look at that uh, you're right. Many people would go, it's a junkyard. How can you have any fun there? But us car people, we get it.
1: Yeah, and it, you know what's real fun is, uh, I mean, it's only 2 bucks or 3 bucks or whatever it is to get into most of these places. And I highly recommend going into one of these pick-apart yards. Even if you don't have a project, and just kind of look around. You can keep yourself occupied all day long. Just looking, because it's not a question of finding 15 different Toyota Corollas. It's that one really weird Toyota Cressida that you forgot about that's sitting in the corner that nobody will touch because nobody has one. Or suddenly you turn around and you see something that you just absolutely thought, oh my God, I forgot about this car. And it's like a museum of the obscure, but it's so much fun.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. And this is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life in some way. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Nathan, take the wheel.
1: Absolutely. Well, this is from my dad. He was definitely, you know, this is a guy who was raised in the wrecking yards and managed to get himself uh, a full-blown education and became the attorney of the family. So, he was, in one way, sort of the the young brains in one side of the family, Mm -hmm. and um, he took me aside and he noted that I, I was sort of restless, and this was many, many years ago, and he told me to always listen and learn. Keep your mouth shut, listen and learn. And then the other half of that is don't be afraid to succeed. And I always thought that was a little strange, but then I began to realize what he meant by that because, and you know this too, Uh it's really hard to go out on your own and try something that You're building on your own, a house of your own. That is, you know, something it's it's definitely a very unique thing to do. And at the same time, if you're afraid, if you are afraid of actually succeeding, which a surprising amount of people are, then you're not going to make it.
0: Well, how have you incorporated those very wise words from your father into your business and your life and your passion for
1: cars? Well, the auto industry is constantly changing and, and and bear in mind that we don't just review cars although that is our eggs and bacon so to speak but our bread and butter is all cars and when you see these changes politically financially uh based on you know whatever a customer saying recalls all these things that come along with the automotive industry it takes guts to go into it Full speed and say I'm going to grab everything I can and try to get it out to the consumer so they understand where these things are going, and that's part of that. I'm not afraid to try it. The people I work with are not afraid. We're not afraid of hard work. In fact, a lot of people, I, I'm very proud of this, is, would say that the fast car are the hardest working group of guys out there doing what they do, mm. and we are indeed. We just don't stop. In fact, I just got back from a Jeep trip yesterday and uh in san jose california for the new jeep renegade and in a few days i'm off to an acura event and you have to be able to travel and be on your toes and while i'm doing that roman micah who started tfl car he's in iceland right now driving uh range rovers or sorry land rovers that's what he told me in an email yesterday yeah yeah he's he's um he's freezing while i was toasty warm in (laughs) san jose (laughs) Which was which was pretty good, but we all have our own philosophies, and I always recommend listening to your parents. You know, they are smarter than you think. Yep. Especially now that I am a parent, I'm beginning to realize that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the other side of it is, yeah, you can't be afraid to go out there and try and try hard, and and of course, just not giving up, which is a part of that. Uh, you know, having that era of I need to keep trying this, no matter how many times it doesn't work.
0: Sure. Perfect. I love that. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? Tell me about that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy.
1: I think it's, I mean, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of your guests would say the same thing. It started when they were a kid in the garage with their dad. And indeed, I I, I was there in the garage with my dad and one of my older brothers who was definitely a car freak and still is. And it started when my brother brought home, don't remember the year, but it was a Chevy Monza. If you recall, those were the, the Chevys that replaced the Vegas, but it was basically the same platform. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he brought it home and I was a fairly young kid and my dad looked at it suspiciously because it didn't look right to him. He couldn't figure it out. He went inside and uh, lit himself a cigarette and just was trying to think about what the hell did that boy do? And I went outside, my, my brother started the car and I immediately recognized that that was not a four cylinder that I heard. It was a three hundred and fifty V eight that uh. somehow got sandwiched in that thing. And I remember just absolutely feeling a, a zing. You know, it was this was awesome. Oh my god, Dad's going to kill you. And, <laughs> and sure enough, my dad came right back outside and started screaming and yelling at my brother because he knew exactly what he did. He went and I believe my dad helped him finance this car bought this vehicle and um, neglected to mention to my father, oh, yeah, it's built to go extremely fast in one direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, re- I just remember that I was kind of proud of myself, and my dad even mentioned it, that, I, oh, yeah, it's a V8. It's probably a 350. Oh, well, you know, and, and at a young age being able to do that and growing up in the 70s was really cool because at that same time, I used to be able to identify cars by the taillights, Mm -hmm. which you cannot do as easily today. No, Back then, it was so easy to tell the difference between Pontiac and Oldsmobile and Ford and, you know, Lincoln and what have you. I mean, it was really, really easy. And then you could figure out taillights from going all the way back, obviously, to, you know, pre-war. So that was cool. And it all happened around the same time, which was the late 1970s for me.
0: Yeah. Wonderful story. Appreciate that. So, Nathan, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you've faced in your life or your career. But the most important part of this question is how you overcame that situation and
1: what you learned from it. This goes back once again, you know, referring to my dad and it was a lesson, a hard lesson learned and it knocked me and my family down several notches. Mm-hmm. Um, My father got sick um, and passed away over the course of five years. And in that five years, we um, discovered that there really wasn't anything in the kitty for my mother. Hmm. And so after my father passed away, there wasn't anything, you know, there was an opulent lifestyle before then. And then afterward, you know, it was uh, a lot of bills had to be paid and a lot of things had to be settled and between bankruptcy and everything else. Well, at that same time, I was still I was paying off school and travel and all these other things and I was ill prepared for this and it knocked me down to the point to where I was um, nearly stuck living in a truck. Uh, fortunately, I managed to scrape together enough money to live with a friend of mine and you know make it through these those tough hard months mm-hmm. going from one point to another. So you know going from a family that was fairly affluent. Uh, wrecking our business is good money. To uh, my father, depleting all the funds based on his ill health, and then having nothing—very yeah. little insurance to back it up—it was a hard lesson for me, and it was a smart lesson at the same time because at least I was willing to learn from it. We finally did manage to turn everything around, and things started to improve. But it took a couple of years. Right. But what it taught me was, if I'm going to go through this thing of having a, a family, then I need security. And they need security. Yeah. And that hard lesson uh, has sat with me ever since. So uh, long story short, I've gone through several hoops to make sure that there is something in case something happens to me, right, for my family, and, and to make sure that my kids are taken care of and make sure that, you know, if there are expenses and bills, those will be taken care of. And, and it actually takes a little bit of work, because, as you know, I mean, it's not a, the easiest thing to get insurance and to pay off certain things and make sure your credit's at a certain level. But when you have a hard lesson and you see what someone else has gone through, especially if you're the one who went through it, yes, then indeed it is a very important lesson. So although it doesn't have much to do with the automotive world in terms of my own personal experience, it's one of those things that was extremely important for me to learn.
0: Uh, well, I appreciate you sharing such a personal story, but it is so important for people to think ahead of what could happen And be prepared. So, uh, I love the fact that you've learned from that. And now that you're a parent, you know how to uh, protect your children should uh, something catastrophic ever happen to you. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, no problem. Nathan, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story with me. When you had a real aha moment in your business or your career or even your life, a time when you realized that, you know what, I think this is really going to work out. And tell me about the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success.
1: Well, that's a really good question, Mark. And part of the past for some people is they try to forget about it. They try not to relive their mistakes or what have you. But in my case, something dawned on me about 7 years ago. And that was around the time that I was getting really serious with the journalistic part of uh, automotive reviewing and I was working I think at the time with vhix.com and Auto driver and a few others. I was riding, I was enjoying myself, but I still wasn't fully fulfilled. I didn't quite, there was something that was missing and I wasn't too sure what it was. And progressively, I started meeting people and I learned a valuable lesson right then and there that, remember these people. This is a very small world. The automotive industry in general is tiny compared to what it puts out. It is a little microcosm. It's the microverse of people. Mm-hmm. And considering how big of an organization it is on the outside, it's just tiny. So I began to learn, remember these people, remember the people you meet and don't be afraid to jump into a new possibility. So fast forward a couple of years later, I met a gentleman who represented a group of people who wanted to start their own channel, their own network. And this was right at the same time that I uh, was really getting going with the fast lane car. So I had already started doing videos, which was at first a little strange, but I enjoyed it. I'm not afraid of being in front of the camera, and I, and I enjoy that too. I love my job. But I met these people, and it's like, wait, you guys are also considering putting together an automotive channel with reviewers? Hmm, I wonder if I should get involved with that. Well, yeah. of course. But you'd be surprised how many people are skeptical of that, how they try to pull back a little bit and not necessarily trust people. And it's not a question of paying into it. I I always am come from the school of if you're putting money out for something that they're promising a return on, be careful. But mm-hmm. in this case, it wasn't like that. And it was taking a little tiny leap of faith and suddenly learning about things like the Chinese automotive industry, which a lot of people don't bother with and they really should, mm-hmm. and um, also meeting these people and some of the people are representing this new channel that's coming out called autoworks mm-hmm. uh, w-e-r-k-z i think is autoworks tv yes that's right autoworks tv and it's through glue tv and it's a neat little mini channel that has some fantastic i mean it has dennis gage from my classic car and uh stacy david trucks and all that other stuff that he does of course, the fast lane car as yeah. well.
0: <laughs> and cars, yeah, I'll add, we're cars, getting involved yeah, as that's well. That's
1: right, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is but it's a really neat little group of people that are getting together. And if you actually look at these people, they're huge in the automotive industry for what they do. And that is either review cars, talk about cars, or talk about the cars universe. And you'd be surprised how diverse that can be. So, you know, I met those people and that was awesome. And now I'm off and running going around the world quite literally, reviewing cars, being part of a car culture, and just taking that one step, being willing to take a little leap of faith, that made this transition happen. And now I couldn't be happier.
0: Fantastic. Well, I love you sharing that. AutoWorks TV is an exciting new venture for cars, yeah, as well as it is for you guys. So uh, uh, happy to be partners in that and and be on board with all this fun that we're going to have in the future. And you're right, taking a little leap of faith and and trusting in something is uh, so important. Thanks for sharing that. How about proudest business or career moments? Is there one in general, and I'm sure you've had many, but one in general you could share with our listeners?
1: Oh, sure. And and that's the easiest one. And that is when the day when I sat down with Roman over lunch, uh, Roman Micah, who founded TFL Car, and he looked at me and said, look, I think we can go and do this thing. Not only can we make it into a job, a full-time job, but I think we can put out one video every single day. And wow! I looked, yes, I looked over at him, and at the time we put out two videos a week, I believe. About uh, this is almost four years ago. Uh, and I looked, at and I said, well, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Every single day, and he said, "Yes." And I thought he was nuts. <laughs> Uh, another leap of faith i said all right all right count me in let's go for it and since then we haven't stopped not only do we do a minimum of one video per day on our regular car channel Mm -hmm. we also have our truck channel and we always do videos on that one as well and both of them are the the fastest growing youtube channels not just car channels but youtube channels that are out there and we've just absolutely been on fire with this and it's only growing. We went from a team of two, well, two and a half, really. I, I represented the half. <laughs> and uh, Roman and his son, Tommy, who's a brilliant young man who's really helped us along, they kind of got this whole thing started. And now we're up to about 11 people that work with us, including uh, an editor and our uh, producer, Andre Smirnoff. And we just, <laughs> we just keep on going. So that one moment, sitting down with him and realizing... He's serious, and we can do this. And then having the faith to say, yes, okay, let's go for it. Yeah, I'm really proud of that. I'm glad that I went along because uh, there's been no looking back.
0: Awesome. Wonderful. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And perhaps you could share a memory you had with that vehicle.
1: Oh, I got a great story for you.
0: <laughs> great. I got a
1: good one. First of all, my father did something really cool, and I, I hope there's still time for a lot of fathers out there to do the same exact thing, which is, When I turned 15, he took me to a police auction, and we bought a beat-up old Oldsmobile, and he had me fix that up over the course of the year leading up to me having my driver's license. So by the time I was ready to have my license, I knew every bolt of that car, and it was in perfect shape, and he made me every weekend work on that car. Mm -hmm. So that was a brilliant idea. Unfortunately, the one thing my father didn't do is give me decent driving lessons, because (laughs) after I, I had my license for about a month, I... Turned my car into an aircraft, basically, and landed on top of a MG Midget and turned it into a skateboard. Uh Fortunately, everybody was okay. It was a parked car. But this leads up to the story, which is I got rid of that car. I mean, after I worked on it for a whole bloody year and I saw in the paper that there was an auction that was going to have a few Ford Mustangs in it. I thought, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. My dad said, you can get yourself a Mustang. Go for it, boy. But one condition. I said, all right. What is it? He said, if it's a V8, it doesn't stay. It has to be the straight six. Mm-hmm. I thought, ah, all right, whatever. Yeah. So I went, and sure enough, I found. I think they were about a 200 CID, if I'm right, on the straight six, with a little tiny single barrel carburetor, a three speed manual transmission. My dad and I picked up this white little Mustang, and it, it was just a sweet little gem. 1965, notchback. It had pretty decent-looking interior. And back then, if you recall that uh, J.C. Whitney yes. in Chicago? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was definitely on their hot list because they had everything for the car. So sure. I replaced the headliner, the carpet, the, the everything in the trunk. They had a neat pad for it. Got the proper hubcaps from my family's wrecking yard. And one thing, you know, after another, and I just made it a sweet little car and it, it was fun.
0: Yeah.
1: However, I grew up in a wrecking yard family. So that also leads to temptation.
0: <laughs> and we had a
1: burnt up speedboat at one of my uncle's yards that had a 427 cubic inch V8 ready for me. Nice. It was a boat engine. And no, my father was out of town. I believe he was in Washington, D.C. Among other things, he was an attorney, but he was also a judge advocate general. So he kind of went and did his little thing over there and hang out with the boys, which meant I had time. <laughs> so that car went from a tiny, sweet little straight six to an extremely loud straight pipe. 427 cubic inch. Oh, my Yeah. With uh, two Cobra Jet carburetors, which were fake. I found out later on. And I could never, ever get them to work the right way, actually. I, there's there's a way to tune them to where you have to have floats on them and everything else and balance them out. I never bothered with that. And the engine didn't even fit in the car. I actually had to use a motorcycle chain to hold the hood down once I got it in there. <laughs> and the poor car was just, it was a miserable machine after that. I set off car alarms every time I started the engine. I had to replace the the rears with, uh, they weren't slicks, but they were the you know, those tires that kind of, Really worse licks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, living in Southern California, it's not a big deal because it doesn't really rain that often and usually have fair weather. But every single time I got into that car, it was raining. And I just absolutely, absolutely destroyed the car. But it was fast. In a straight line, it was crazy, scary fast. Once I finally figured out how to get a four speed in there, the three speed that was in there wasn't working with the V8.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: No, it didn't work at all. And, you know, I had a bunch of my friends and, you know, Grease Monkey 16, 17 year olds. We figure things out, you know, how to Mickey Mouse things and get them in there to get it to work. So when the car was finally running and my dad was still out of town, I went and just I was a little naughty, you know, and had some fun on the streets and what have you. Uh, I realized, of course, I couldn't turn a corner without the car basically wanting to swap ends. It was just horribly unbalanced. So my father comes home and he immediately stops as I pull up and, you know, his jaw hits the ground. He knew exactly what I did. And he comes down to me and he goes, I know you worked hard on this. We did have an agreement and you did buy a six cylinder and I know you're going to argue. So I'll (laughs) tell you what, if I catch you racing, you have to promise me that you will let me choose your next car and you'll have to get rid of this one. I said, no problem, Pop. I'm not going to race it, which meant in 16-year-old terms, you're not going to catch me racing, Pop. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Two weeks later, he caught me racing in Pacific Palisades. Oops! Uh, my father, among other things, has a lot of friends who truly enjoyed hanging out with him and watching the uh, the, the episodes of his son, me, uh, <laughs> make huge mistakes. And that was one of them. And fortunately, and my dad even said it after the, the little race that I did. Uh, fortunately, I, at least I won the race. But it was <laughs> my <laughs> the last time I drag raced on a street. My yeah. father was furious. And he wouldn't even let me drive the car home. He made me wait until my uncle's wrecker came and picked up the car. That's uh, how... I was done. And yeah. as revenge, as revenge, and this is the end of the story too, he made me buy a, <laughs> a very used and poor running Chevy Citation II, Ooh, that which hurt. I like to call rolling birth control. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Oh, <laughs> well,
0: okay. your father cared for you. That's what it was all about. But uh, wonderful story. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you could have back in the garage?
1: You know, it, it's interesting. Um, I thought about it for a while and for, you know, being that I've been through so many cars, I, I first thought, oh, I can't answer this. But, you know, I kept coming back to the same car and I realized I loved it and I missed it. Mm-hmm. That was a 1988 Mitsubishi Montero. Mm. Back then, they only had the three-door available here. It was a two-door, basically. Um, small, little Jeep-like SUV four-cylinder engine it was like a 2.6 liter put out maybe 100 horsepower and I loved that little truck it went everywhere everywhere a jeep would go I could go mm-hmm. I, I put larger tires on it it was the first truck-like vehicle that I had modified and back then and we're talking about the early 90s trucks were uh weren't as customizable as they are today there wasn't as much available especially for Japanese trucks right and especially for Mitsubishi's but I loved that thing. I did everything I could to make it faster and, and yet more drivable. And it had a five-speed in it. It was fun to drive. And it was different. And, in fact, they used to call it, I believe they called them the Urban Gorilla, mm-hmm. which was their, their little moniker to try to sell them. And, man, I loved it. I had it for almost three years, which for me is an eternity. I went back to work for my uncle at the wrecking yard. And they we have our own cars. And he was basically saying, you know, you're paying for this thing. It doesn't make any sense. You have a a work car. Just sell it. Get rid of it. And I didn't want to argue with his logic. So I went and sold it and I regretted it so much. And even today, I still think about that little truck. (laughs) That's funny.
0: Well, it's uh, interesting. That question brings up a lot of fun responses, but I think yours might be one of the most unique. So, Uh, Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, there's two things. Uh, one is my fishing truck. Every couple of years, I buy a new fishing truck, which is an old truck that I think uh, yeah, I consider a challenge. It was a... Um, at one point, I had a Land Rover Discovery, the first version of it, one of the few in the States that had a manual transmission, and I loved it. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, played with it for a while. And then I moved on to a few others, and now I have an Isuzu Trooper. I, I love it. The thing is actually a mountain goat, and I'm progressively working on it to make it a reliable easy-to-drive truck that will eventually become my fishing truck. And by saying fishing truck, it's a simple way for me to hide from my spouse the fact that I'm spending way too much money on suspension and other (laughs) upgrades. Now, So that's one of them. But the other one that I'm really happy about is what we have at TFL Truck. We just got our hands on a 1968 Ford Bronco, and it is pristine. Cool. It's not only pristine. uh, Normally they cut the fenders on these things, to make them into better four x fours, right? Uncut, very little if any rust, and it's the half cab, which is really super rare. And so we have this truck. It's it's. I wouldn't say it's Sano. I wouldn't say it's um, you know ready to go on the auction block and sell as you know built as new. Mm-hmm. But I will say that if we wanted to, we could probably invest ten thousand dollars in this thing and make it absolutely cherry perfect, and all the numbers are correct. The nice. only thing it has that's a modification over the the original model is the um, 500 CID. I think it's a demon carburetor mm-hmm. um, that's been jetted for high altitude. You know, I live in Colorado, and <laughs> yeah, it really helps if you actually do that modification. Sure. And um, and that's it. I mean, we're not talking radio or anything else. Everything else is absolutely stock in it. So what we did was we bought it. It runs pretty good. You know, it's old, so it's got its issues. And we let out a request to our viewers and to our readers. Hey, what do you want us to do with this truck? And we gave them three options. One was go ballistic, chop it up, turn it into a rock crawler, which I was really hoping they wouldn't vote for. Mm, yeah. The other one was turn it in, make it stock, absolutely stock, make it look like it's shown room new. And then in between was a resto mod, which I really did want to do. That was exactly the one. Because as cool as it is to make a vehicle – as you know, pristine as it was when it was new, if you're going to be driving it all the time, which is what we do, we don't believe in trailer queens, we, I, it has four-wheel drums. That has to go. <laughs> you know, that yeah. To go. Um, so things like that and, and newer suspension. But what, So what we're going to do is we're, we're going to slightly modernize it, but in such a way to where all of those mods will be removable if need be, including disc brakes all the way around, possibly power steering, I like the manual steering, but I know that we're going to be putting larger tires on there and <laughs> it makes for, you know, I'm a beefy guy. I have no problem turning it, but I think most people would. Uh-huh. It, oh, it's a three speed, by the way, on the tree. Cool. So, which is cool and rare and it takes some getting used to. Yeah. And that's our new project. And so we're, we're just starting to mess with it and eventually we'll have it up and our viewers can actually watch us. Take parts from sponsors and non-sponsors and slap it on there and turn it into a daily driver that can go off-road and still look really cool stock.
0: Uh, sounds really cool. You're probably familiar with uh, Jonathan Ward of Icon.
1: Oh, g- Icon, those guys, wow, they do some work.
0: Yeah, that's what came to mind when you were mentioning Bronco because uh, Jonathan was a very early uh, arriver here on Cars Yeah as a guest and um, yeah, the stuff they they work on down there, not only the the Toyota Land Cruisers but Broncos and now they're getting into these kind of 40s uh, American cars they leave the patina. So, fantastic. Sounds like a wonderful project. Can't wait to see where you end up with that. Now, here's a funny question for you, Nathan. If you were a car... What
1: kind of car would you be and why? You sound like one of my old philosophy professors. Yeah. Who I decided, yeah, I made I made one of them freak out once because he asked me something similar. But I think he asked, like, if you're a food, what would you be? Oh. And my answer to him was paint. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where I came up with Get that. Get on the couch, type. young man. Yeah, he pretty much was saying, I, I'm broken. Yeah, Um, my answer. (laughs) Well, now you
0: got my curiosity (laughs) up. How you're going to answer this one? No,
1: it's it's actually not all that weird. It it actually I think is the closest thing that fits my personality, and it's a truck that I actually used to own. It's a 1990 GMC Jimmy, the full size Jimmy, Uh with the 350 and the Saginaw four speed transmission. That you know, I'm I'm kind of a truck looking guy. Whether or not I've gone to school is your absolutely irrelevant to the people who watch they think i'm a redneck that truck suits me i I love the straight axles i loved how absolutely off-road capable it was and at the same time how sort of obscene it was Mm -hmm. (laughs) to drive near a prius or anything else for that matter because it made a lot of noise and smoked quite a bit i like the fact that it's utilitarian i tend to think of myself as someone who can adapt and change and uh you know that type of thing and it People forget that those uh, old lasers and, and even Broncos, you had a removable top and you could remove, uh, you know, and turn it into basically a convertible, a fun one too. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, uh, I, I put a, a rhino, well, a fake rhino liner in there and, um, you know, I was able to actually carry things. I was able to tow It was just an awesome, awesome truck, and at the same time, it was next to Useless. Mm -hmm. So I kind of look at it as (laughs) similar to me. That's
0: a very funny answer. I was afraid you were going to say, I'm a junkyard dog. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but that truck was put together with junkyard parts. There you go. Um,
0: There you go. Wonderful answer. Okay, Nathan, we're entering what I call the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Yep, go for it. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: If you are not a car person and you buy a new car, make sure that the warranty is there until you want to get rid of the car.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success?
1: Be the first one there, be the last one to leave, and be the hardest worker in the room.
0: That's exactly what my father told me. Do you have a resource that you would like to share with the Car yeah listeners that you're really fond of? A, a website, a blog, other than, of course, your guys' YouTube page, but something that uh, you seem to go back to all the time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate to give a shout-out to the competition, and they are competition, but Edmunds has a hell of a good website if you're looking for certain facts about vehicles. How
0: about a book? Is there one in particular that you could share with our listeners that you think they should get their hands on?
1: There's one book Automotively, mm-hmm. that I recommend to anybody who really wants to read from the best. His name was David E. Davis. Mm, and yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know. He was kind of sort of my inspiration. And when I was just started going back to school, I sent him a few emails and requests to just look at my stuff. And he actually answered a few of them. It, it took some convincing. He was kind of salty. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a connection to him in that respect. And I'm, I'm terribly sad that he's gone. But – he has a book that's about and I, pardon me if I don't remember the exact name of it, because it's basically something to the effect of David E. Davis' um, thoughts and opinions of cars or something along those lines. Well,
0: I know that book because it's on my library shelf. It's titled, Thus Spake David E. The Collected oh, Wit and Wisdom. The Collected Wit and Wisdom of the Most yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Influential
0: yeah, yeah. Automotive Journalists of Our Time. And I know that because I'm looking at it right now. Um, yeah, it's a great book. He he was a great writer and salty. Yes, that's one way to describe David E.
1: Davis. <laughs> there is someone else, and I, I did want to give this out too, because it has nothing to do with the automotive world. Mm-hmm. But if you're interested in what some automotive journalists actually think about, there's a guy named John Mortimer. He's a former British, passed away a few years back, but he was a, a barrister, a, an attorney in Britain. And he wrote a series called Rumpo of the Bailey, uh, for the, some people might Be familiar with uh, the BBC show um, that was on for quite some time based on the books. And what's neat about that is you learn about defending someone or something based Hmm. on merits of what is worth being defended. Yeah, fantastic.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing those listeners. You can find links to all these resources at carsyad.com slash Nathan Adlin. All right, Nathan, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy if you could only have one collector car in your garage, but money is no object, I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like today. Mm. What would that vehicle be and why?
1: The 1968 Alfa Romeo Tipo 33 Stradale. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Uh, no, hold on. Next to my children and my wife. <laughs> it, that, it is... It is just artwork on wheels. And it's not just the fact that it's so beautiful on the outside, which, by the way, uh, Alfa Romeo had a thing at the Detroit Auto Show this year. Yes, I saw that. One. Yeah, and they had it on the lift. Yes. And I'm freaking out going, don't leave it on the lift. Yeah, They only built like 18 of these cars from, I think it was about 67 to roughly 1970, 71-ish. But in reality, there, there really were only 18 built. And they are, aside from being just beautiful, the, the technology is fascinating. We're talking about you know a very small two-liter engine that was putting out you know 240 to 257 horsepower, depending on who you talk to, and yes. inboard disc brakes, a six-speed manual transmission, the first car to officially have butterfly doors, and oh, those velocity stacks on top of that tiny little VA are just beautiful. It yes. was everything about it, both sides of it, the te- technology that went into that car and its overall ability. I and mean, zero to 60, they say was about 5.5 seconds. And we're talking about a car that had very small wheels compared to what they have today. And mm-hmm. definitely none of the, you know, the, the incredibly precise injection and systems that they have. It, this was just basically good technology, a race car that was boiled down to a car that you could sort of kind of drive every day. And you mix that amazing technology with the most beautiful body that I have ever seen and there you go. That's the car that I would have. And yes, it, they're worth millions and millions of dollars.
0: Oh, yes. You're going gonna, gonna to have to pull out the big golfer's checkbook to write a check for <laughs> that car for you today. But great choice. What a fantastic car. Beautiful, beautiful car. Nathan, you've taken me on a great ride as I knew you would today. And I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Show listeners and with me. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Alpha?
1: <laughs> my one piece of advice and I give this to everybody who talks to me in person and even people who write in, I have a column that says uh, asknathan.com mm-hmm. or ask Nathan at TF Call, blah, blah, blah. And every time they ask me this question, I say the same thing. They say, how do you choose a good car? And I said, you don't, what you choose is the car that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. That's the right car.
0: Yeah. It's
1: so many people buy something that's, you know, an appliance and, If they're happy with that appliance, great. But other people, if they really want that V8 and they really want rear drive, buy it. Make yourself happy. Yes, you'll hate yourself later because (laughs) it's going to cost you whatever at the gas station, but you'll forgive it. You'll forgive it the same way you'll forgive a troubled child of yours. <laughs> it is it is something that if the car makes you happy, it's the right car.
0: Fantastic advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing?
1: All they have to do is go on to tflcar.com or tfltruck.com. Those are our two made websites. Or they can go on to YouTube and go to the Fastlane Car or the Fastlane Truck. We're all over the place there. If you put my name into any particular search engine, you'll probably find me somewhere. And also soon AutoWorks, our shows will be on there as well. If you want to talk to me directly, you can go on to TFLcar.com and then find the Ask Nathan address. And all those emails do come to me. I'm getting quite a few now. But I you know, especially if you say if you mention that you were heard Mark's radio and said, hey, I need to go talk to this guy. Yeah. I will talk to you. Uh, All right. You uh, yeah, you'll you'll be priority one.
0: Hey, did you hear that, Cars Yow listeners? You are now priority one in the world of Nathan Adlin. So uh, I feel very honored at that. Thank you.
1: Oh, not a problem, Mark. This was a lot of fun.
0: Well, good. I really appreciate it. And listeners, again, you can find links to everything Nathan has shared with us at CarsYad.com. Just put Nathan in the search box and his show notes page and links will pop right up. So, Nathan, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the
1: road. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. It was a lot of fun. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up,